We are back. We are back. Welcome, everyone, to Match Point Number 9, a Tennis Bets podcast. I'm one of two co-hosts here, David E.J. Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis on X and all the socials. You can find our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts these days. Please do subscribe. If you're a first-time listener, chance starts how you found us. If you're a returning listener, a returning champion, welcome back. I'm based in California, and I'm tossing it to my man in Canada, Mr. John Reed. You can find him at Jared Tweets Tennis. He does betting content for his own brand, Tibbets Tennis. He writes for the Action Network betting expert. He does post-match analysis for the Tennis Form ticker. John, welcome in. Love these weeks, man. Some people are like, oh, man, a three-tournament week, and I'm like, let's go. It's a six-tournament week with challengers. Let's freaking go, man. Absolutely. Well, we have a lot to get into. Wanted to circle back on our what did we win, what did we learn from a couple shows ago, just because we're not afraid of accountability here. Wins in the Shanghai round two, round three, quarterfinal as well. Uh, Wolf Moneyline rollover versus Nori at plus 160. That came in for us. Watanuki at plus games and tie breaks versus Fritz. Zhukayev overs versus Karen Ashanov, who lost to Popper and if you faded him here in Tokyo. Fabian Marishan, Moneyline versus Lajovic. Quarterfinals, we had Sibi Korda beating Ben Shelton. That came in. We had the over in the Marishan Hubie match. Uh, the Hubie quarter ticket comes in. And uh, if you had a little outright on him, that came in as well. Losses Sebastian Offner, no good versus Tommy Paul. And I chased him again last night in Tokyo versus yeah, FAA. Too. I mean, this guy is like the perfect sparring partner to get an out-of-form player back into it. <laughs> but Offner, I have to say, big power. Kind of played a dummy match last night. Like, I don't know what why he felt the need to, like, go for every winner. If <laughs> he just, like, returned a little bit more, uh, FAA probably would have coughed up some errors himself. Interesting game plan. Uh but his hardcore data, I think he's six now he's six and seven, last fifty-two on a hardcore trending up, but certainly beatable. Vukic, no good versus Dimitrov, bailed out with retirement with Kakushkin versus Dan Evans, but lost the set one money line there. Uh, Dan Evans, of course, loses first round this week. So Halis, uh, no good versus Rublev. Uh, Halis, tough round one matchup uh, versus Gafen on the indoor scene this week. He goes down again as well. Otman versus Jari, no good. Tiafo Moneyline, no good. And man, if you heeded what we talked about uh, with Tiafo going into that, I thought that was a get-right spot, if you will, versus Senega. But uh, he stayed bad there. He stayed bad this week. I don't know what's going on with Big Foe. He should have played Stockholm. I know he had points to defend with Tokyo, but he did not defend those points. <laughs> so uh, It's quicker in Tokyo, too. I mean, it's quicker there. More points. He's he's better off in Tokyo. It's just he's out of he's He needs to just Call it quits for the year. He's he looks done, man. I don't know. Stockholm uh, get, get some indoor action ahead of Paris. At, I don't know. Fuchovic. Well, I mean, they, they go to Antwerp. They go to Antwerp because that'll be play nice and fast for him where he'd prefer it. But I guess you can make that case that when you're out of form, go get some wins out of 250 rather than lose again at in out of 500. Vucevic money line versus Surrendolo Dolo uh, again. Another one week early on the fade uh, goes down round one this week to Schwartzman. Uh, now 0-3 against Schwartzman. Or maybe like, oh, is that 0-4? He's never beat the guy. Now he's lost him on a hard court. Andre Rublev, Umber over in the quarterfinal. That doesn't come in. Although we leaned Rublev in the match, who did win. And that was it. So some good and some bad with Shanghai. Any big Shanghai takeaways for you, John? 
Not really. I mean, Hubie Hurtage winning an event, just it just it feels so dirty. Like how many thirds again, like did he win multiple third set tie breaks along the way? I think he won multiple third set tie breaks in the last week alone to get that title. It's like he just he doesn't win by margin. And it's just to me, it's an indication of where the tour is at. I'm sorry, Hubert Hurkat should not be winning big events like this. He just shouldn't. I know his service is really tough on quick courts, but he played a ton of close matches and just no one could pip him. And it's just really annoying. I'm, I'm glad that Zhang did it in Tokyo. I'm glad that he avenged his third set tiebreak loss with a third set tiebreak win because that's Hubert Hercatch. That's what he does. And he's going, he should, he should, and he's going to lose as many of those as he wins. Quick shout out to you though, in our Shanghai preview, you did mention Dimitra being a potential spot for Alcaraz to lose. And he did. So good on you on that one. Forgot to mention yeah, watch Carlos. Watch Carlos on quick courts. I don't know. You're not going to get it for long because he showed us at Wimbledon how quickly he could freaking adapt. But maybe in Australia, there might be a spot or two if you can find a nice a nice price with a decent hard court, a quick hard court player with experience, with power. Like you need to check like six boxes to fade Alcaraz, obviously. But if you can find him and you get like a five, six, seven dollar price, <laughs> it's always worth a shot because we know that Carlos does have stinkers in quick conditions. Less so in slow conditions, but certainly uh, capable of doing it in quick conditions. All right. Well, let's turn the page to this week. We have uh, three events to talk about. Uh, let's kick it off with the one that's not currently in action as we record. That's uh, ATP Tokyo, the Japan Open. Let's do a little tournament overview here. The Japan Open is an ATP 500 outdoor event that dates back to 1990 as a 500 and 1915 as an event itself in some form. So a long history here, aside from Kei Nishikori winning this twice in 2012 and 2014, a rotating cast of winners. Taylor Fritz beat Francis Tiafo in the final last year, which we had. Novak Djokovic won in... 2019, Daniil Medvedev, 2018, David Goffin beat Adrian Manorino in 2017. You know, Manorino, man, this guy is underrated. We do these, like, talk about recent winners and finals. His name pops up a lot, man, and he's had a great year. Shout out to Mano. Kyrgios won in 2016, Stan Wawrinka in 2015, one retractable roof, the Ariaki Coliseum. Some really sunny conditions and big shadows for players. Uh, weather-wise, it's going to be 70s, high humidity all week. When the roof is on, obviously, it cancels out some potential conditions, so keep that in mind. But the roof's been open this entire time so far. It looks like we'll have a reprieve from rain, hopefully. Uh, John, what do you think about the conditions? I, I feel like it it's playing fast-ish, but I, I am seeing uh, multiple breaks in sets. About half the matches have gone three sets so far. Uh, what do you think about the conditions here in Tokyo? Yeah, I mean, they're they're going to suit those who like them to be medium-quick. They're, they're not slow. Like they're just, you're not going to find many slow courts, courts in this part of the world, right? You're, I think Astana has like medium slow, but they're at a bit of altitude and they're indoors anyway. So it makes up for it. And that's, you know, again, that's like that bridge uh, between Europe and Asia. But once you get past Kazakhstan, it's really rare to find anything slower than medium courts in, in Asia. And I mean, even medium courts are probably going to benefit those who like them a little bit quicker than those who like them a little bit slower. So uh, just timing wise, it's going to rush those who like slower court. So just, I would operate under the, the, you know, quick court assumption, whether they're medium, medium, fast or fast. Um, I, I would, from what I've seen, I would say medium fast. I don't think they're Antwerp. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but I do think they are, they are playing quicker than, than not. Big headlines so far. Fritz covers easily as a three game favorite versus Cam Nori, who stays bad. Jack Draper went full Jack Draper cramping out in three sets, uh, versus 
Alex Dimonor. Some big dogs have come in, though. Alexi Popperin versus Karen Hachanov. Jordan Thompson is high as plus 350 versus Alex Zverev's cash. That Thompson goes down to Shelton, though. Uh, Shintaro over Echeverry is a four-game dog. Karatsev over Tiafo. Uh, as we mentioned, Tiafo is staying bad. What about Marcos Giron taking down Casper Rude overnight as a, a juicy dog? So the dogs are, are barking here. Uh, any thoughts on the the dogs here as we, d- we dip into draw talk here, John? Yep, it, it, it just fits that it fits that profile of quick courts produce upsets. Why? Because in men's tennis, the vast majority of players have a strong serve. And if you can hold serve and the courts are going to help, and even if you have a decent serve, it becomes a lot stronger in quicker conditions. And that's just going to make sets tighter. When sets are tighter, you know, they become it becomes a lot more likely that the underdog can win it. And then, you know, that just means that underdogs are going to win more sets and thus matches than on like, you know, your medium slow courts or your slow courts where your talent, your consistency, your point construction, your tactics all shine a bit more rather than here where, you know, it's just you don't need you know, much of a tennis IQ or, or or much of a game plan. If you can land your serves and find one sloppy game from your opponent, you're going to be looking pretty good. We have the quarterfinals set on the bottom half of the bracket uh, with Garone beating Rude as the two seed. He now takes on FAA. Uh, ben Shelton is taking on Tommy Paul in a rematch of Americans. Still need to have a couple matches play out before they're set in the top half. So Fritz is the one seed taking on Shintaro Mochizuki. Christian Green taking on Alexi Poprin. Green seriously won't die. I've faded him multiple times so far <laughs> to no avail. Uh, maybe do it again here coming up. I don't know. Let's talk about it. Chang Jian avenges his loss to Hubie Hercash. He is taking on Karatsev, Demonor, and Schwartzman left. You have to think we're headed toward a Fritz Demonor matchup here in the semis all things considered. Uh, and I got to think Fritz is these type of events. I feel like he's played pretty well. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of think Fritz is into the final here again. What do you think about this draw as we, uh, not a lot left, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about it as a whole real quick. I kind of really like Demonor now that Tiafo's out and I don't, I don't see a ton that'll really bother him en route to a potential semi with Fritz. And I don't mind him in that semi. I think last year, I took Fritz against him, um, but we've seen talk or there's been chatter uh, among the tennis community. And I think it, it holds up that sometimes if you don't give a ton of pace to Fritz, it can bother him a little bit. And although he did beat Nori and he's going to, he's probably going to thump Mochizuki. who's not going to give him a ton of pace either. That can hold up against better players, stronger players. And I think Demonar with his counter punching and his, his strong hand eye on return could really give Fritz problems in that semifinal. The two looks I liked before the tournament started were Demonor and Hachanov. Now, that was when I saw a Q playing Demonor. When that Q changed to the name Jack Draper, my perspective changed because that's a really tough first round match. And I think it was a pretty tough match until Draper broke down physically again, as per usual. But now that he's past that, I mean, Schwartzman, who's been playing better tennis, it's, that's really good to see, by the way, because he's an easy guy to root for. But He's just got less, even less offense than Demonor. He doesn't like the quick conditions as much as Demonor. And it's not like Demonor is going to be hitting a ton of errors to bail him out. So I just don't see what he can do in that matchup. And then Zhang and Karatsev at the at the top of their games, of course they can beat Demonor. They can beat some of the best players in the world the way they play. But 
they also have that nasty inconsistency and demon has got that rigid solidity that that kind of gives him a nice matchup edge at least in that regard i know he'll be underpowered uh relative to whoever he plays in that potential quarter but i love demon hour's path here um in the top half and, and bottom half i mean ben shelton like the kid is starting to to not figure it out on return, but he's getting a lot more balls back in. And then that athleticism is going to keep him in points, even when opponents are attacking with plus one balls. Ben Shelton's starting to look a lot better. If he figures out his return game, watch out, uh, ATP Tour. Because he had, I think, 35 to 40% return points won today against Jordan Thompson. Like, I, I, if that becomes the norm for him, um, he'll be in the top 10 or 15 a lot sooner than people, at least I thought. You can get Alex Demonor to win this whole thing at plus 600, so 6-1. to one. Ben Shelton at plus 650. FAA right behind them at plus 650. Dang, man. I would. Uh, that's... Uh, <laughs> wins two matches, he's plus 650, huh? Yeah, uh, it's nuts. Because he's got to play Giron, Giron, and then he's got to play Paul or Shelton. And then he's probably got to play Demonor or Fritz. That's a tough three-match stretch for a guy who's been, you know, rel- relative dog doo-doo for the better part of the last year. Ritz at plus 300, I, I feel like uh, you don't really have a lot of value with the rollover with his next match because he's a massive favorite. It's literally minus 1,200 on the money line. But I feel like it'll be closer to pick uh, versus Demonor if, if that comes in. I, I'm not sure the value on plus 300 for Fritz. Demonor plus 600, I think, still a pretty playable number to win this whole thing. Yeah, that's 7.00 in decimal odds. And I mean, the funny part is he was one of those guys who his pre-tournament uh, number was plus 900. That 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 jumped once that qualifier spot uh, was listed to plus 1600. I mean, just putting Jack Draper there had that number skyrocket. It makes sense because Jack was in form. And Jack, it's more than his form relative to his number that had been really, really... Uh, overvalued in, in in some of his recent runs, like he was getting like minus fifty, like minus a thousand, minus eight hundred prices against guys he should have been at challenger level, like minus six seven hundred against. So that overvaluation on Draper led to Demon Hour, I think being minus one thirty at one point. I saw in market just to win the match, and that's gonna that spiked his his um, his outright. I kind of wish I had taken the outright after seeing Draper there. It's just that that match scared me off of it, but. Once he cleared that hurdle, this was a fairly open quarter for him. So, you know, live and learn. But but I, I still, I, I'm with you. I still think Demonar might present a bit of value uh, after one round. Let's dip into some match play here. And I would love to get your thoughts on this one. Alexi Poprin is taking on Christine Green. Poprin is minus 185 on the money line. Green is plus 155 as the dog. The spread is two and a half. Total at 22 and a half here. Let me see what I can get uh, on. That's on Bovada. Popper in minus 180 on bet online, plus 160 there. Now, John, I was a little shocked to learn. Last 52, Popper is breaking on hardcore at a 12.5% rate. He's 10 and 11. He's holding at 86%. But Green, last 52 on a hardcore, also 10 and 11, breaking at 21.4% and holding at 79.1%. And I know that... Popperin's not the greatest returner. Man, but a 9% difference in the break percentage on a hardcore with Kareen. Something to consider here because I was ready to run to the fire with Popperin and uh, fake Kareen for a third time this <laughs> this week. Uh, but now I'm scared. What do you think about this matchup, John? 
I think this is, you know, insert Jesse, Jesse uh, Pinkman meme of he can't keep getting away with this uh, regarding Christian Garin. Like, I'm sorry, he should have lost to Shimbukuro. He should have lost to Rinky. It's it's good for him, I guess. Like, he needs this run, too. He's another guy who could desperately use, you know, a quarterfinal appearance at a, a 500. If I would if I would go anywhere, I'd probably take th- that side with you. Yeah, it's a definite pass for me just because in in somewhat quick conditions, I do not trust, do not tr- trust Popurin, you know, in that minus 175 to minus 200 range against a guy who isn't great on hard courts, but isn't the, as bad as I think a lot of people see him. Like a lot of people are going to call him a clay specialist and he's not that either. His serve is sneaky good. I'm talking like referring to Garin now. And yeah, his, his baseline game is just a little more consistent as well. So I do think it's a really close matchup, not because I like the Chilean more because I just don't trust Popurin to be a sizable favorite against anyone decent. And I do count getting as a decent, a pretty decent ATP tour player as bad of a year as he's had. He's got a fairly well-rounded game, a sneaky good serve. It's just, he's been missing his spots or especially early in the year, he missed his spots a ton. He's one to watch if he can get some form going in that, um, that golden swing in February when the fields are weaker, he's got the game to, to, to push his way back into that top you know, I don't know if he's going to be back in the top 20 like he once was, but he's got the, the game to push back to the top 30 or 40 for sure. This one, I think, has a sneaky overlook, a potential for chunky sets, three sets. I kind of like the over 22 and a half here. Popper, I think, is a guy I like to look at as an over player, and Green literally won't die. So, <laughs> I mean... That rinky second set uh, in qualifying, I, 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 it's that's one for the books, man. Like I, I, I don't know what that was going on there. I'm gonna play the over twenty two and a half in that one. That's a good, that, that's a good look too, because I do think Gadin is live. I do think you've got a better serve than than the market believes, and I think you've got a, a pretty bad return game going against it. So yeah, that's that's probably a nice look is to to get that one over. Alex Dimonor is a minus three hundred money line favorite. Against, against Diego Schwartzman. The spread is four and a half. The total is at 21 here. Schwartzman, hey, trending up. Got some wins. A big win against Fritz in Shanghai, uh, which is remarkable uh, in the, in this year of 2023. He's got a tough matchup here against Demonor. Um, man, 21, it's ticked down. But, I mean, is there any way that this isn't like a 6-4, 6-3 win for Demonor? Yeah, there is. And it's if Demonor wins at 6-2, 6-1. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, there is there is a chance he beats him even more badly than that. <laughs> you know, that's that's where that's where I that's all I'd say with that. I if the what are you gonna have to lay here? You're having to lay, you know, three and a half, four games, like it's a yeah. lot of games to lay, especially against like he doesn't have the greatest serve. His first serve percentages on quick courts, though, tend to hold up. And so that's kind of the encouraging part of this matchup for Demon is that his first serve, again, on quick courts in particular, he's ex- he's the exact prototype uh, or or he's the exact kind of archetype or whatever you want to call it, category of player that I was referring to when, you know, they can, they can keep things closer with their serves against really good players because it plays up in these conditions. Schwartzman's doesn't. He's so underpowered that it, it just doesn't look that effective. It's all about placement as everything is with him. And... I feel like, you know, yeah, both guys are going to look to be breaking a ton. That's just how they're both kind of naturally programmed. And, and when you're underpowered, you have to be. But one is going to have that be able to take advantage of quicker conditions with their serve and find holds more often than the other. And that is Demonor. And then from the baseline, they're both solid. Demonor with more attacking game. I just, I don't see what matchup characteristic Schwartzman has 
that like le- that gives him that path to victory against Demon Hour. I, I like the backhand. Demon Hour's backhand is just fine. The consistency he can match him there. He's the attacking game goes to Demon. The serve goes to Demon. I mean, tactically, perhaps the the, the best chance for Schwartzman is Demon Hour doing what he does a lot, where he gets out ahead, looks really really good, and decides, hey, let me play completely opposite of what I've been doing to this point, and kind of fades away. So that's probably the best chance for Schwartzman is, is hoping that that Demon Hour does his typical change of tactics out of nowhere when he's winning. But other than that, yeah, I'm with you. I just, I don't see a path for Schwartzman here. It does look a lot, like you said, a 6-4, 6-3. And you know what, Dave, you're, I think you're being generous to Schwartzman there. I think you're being kind to Diego. How nice of you. <laughs> These two have played once before. They played in London earlier this year. Demon won 6-2, 6-2. Now, Grass, I think, uh, stretches the margin between these players quite a bit because Demon's a pretty good Grass player and Schwartzman is a clay guy. But you can get on Bet Online Demon minus one and a half sets at minus 110. I, I mean, I certainly think that should be ticked up to at least minus 120, minus 130. I think it's going to be, I mean, Schwartzman's going to get broken multiple times. Um, it's, it's just if he can get those breaks, breakbacks. I mean, Demonor wasn't right very good against Draper. He was very lucky to escape that match. Where would you line the total breaks of serve in the match? If if you have it, like, let's say six, four, six, three is your, is your, not the majority of outcomes, obviously, but the plurality, like the most common outcome, how many total breaks both like for each of them, would you line it at? I mean, I don't know, like four, four and a half probably. Right. Yeah. It's six and a half. Mm. Like that's, <laughs> that's a high number. I was, I was like, you know, we're talking about the breaks and, and, and short and demons should find between three to five. And so I went to look up the price, and sure enough, the they've got it juiced at minus one twenty. Now these are each these derivatives are going to be juiced either way. I bet three six five, so it's minus twenty one twenty each way. So another reason to kind of stay off. But they've got it at six and a half. Like that is even further than I think both of us would go. I I might have said five to five and a half. They don't. They only do half numbers, so I would have gone with five and a half potentially juiced. But six and a half juice is huge. Demon Hour's uh, prop is four and a half. The over plus one twenty five. That five breaks if you have a finishing in straight sets, which I think is going to happen more often than not in Demon Hour's favor, it's still tough to get five breaks of serve in, in two sets, especially if you're holding frequently and the total number of games is reduced. So an interesting kind of look there on the on the derivative props. I like Demon minus one and a half sets at minus 110. I think that's a super playable number. Anything for you in the Fritz match tonight? I, he's a five and a half game favorite. Uh, I I assume he will roast this guy, but um, I think that's a full pass for me in case Fritz does Fritz things and plays down to the level of the guy. Yep. No, I was going to say, I mean, I, I for me, it's like I love to bet Mochizuki for exactly the reason you just stated. I just don't know if I could pull the trigger. But how much can his serve play up? If, if, if Mochizuki's serve can play up decently and he can find the outer thirds of the service box uh, from the ad side and, and and maybe paint the T a few times, I don't know, man. He could construct a fair amount of holds. And we know that Fritz can throw away service games out of nowhere, even when he's playing great tennis, which is the theme in Antwerp. Again, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but I, I feel like I want to play Mochizuki. I just don't know if I can justify it. I don't know if my numbers, more importantly, will justify it. Zhang Jian and Aslan Karatsev. Are meeting up. They're at pick minus one ten each way on Bavada. Totals at twenty three. These guys 
have played twice before. Karantz have won on clay in Madrid, 7-6-6-4. Zhang won in Astana last year on the indoor scene in uh, three sets, 4-6-6-4-6-1. Matchup of two guys with uh, pretty good power and uh, pretty sloppy return games. <laughs> well said. Karantzov <laughs> <laughs> um, gets the big win against Tiafo, uh, avenging a loss in in Washington, which went to two tie breaks. Zhang Jian avenges his loss uh, to Hubie from Shanghai. Man, they have it at twenty threes the total. That overlooks this. This this feels like a three set match. This feels like neither neither of these guys are going to close it out until. I don't know. What do you think about this one, John? Yeah, like over two and a half sets would not be the worst look. Um, if you're just you know just sheer predicting outcomes wise in terms of the number, I the market pretty much agrees with that statement. I mean, it's it's plus one twenty five. Which is a very for over two and a half sets for those who you know uh, bet that frequently. I know like Vinny likes to do that. That's a very low number, so it's 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 tough for me to bet that. But I would completely agree from just a prediction or analysis standpoint that yeah, it's it's likely to go three. Neither of these guys is particularly strong at at closing from a set and break. Sometimes like Jung came from a set and break down against Hubie uh, today or today or yesterday or I don't know the time difference or what day it was where. But he, he, you know, can come back. We know Karatsev can easily throw sets away. I actually think, like, your over two and a half sets is probably as good of a look as as an over 23. Because if there's ever, there are ever two guys on a relatively quick court to play a three set under, these are them, right? Like, I would not be surprised to see them split the first two sets in, in 14 games. Either, you know, 6-1 each way or, like, one win 6-2, the other win 6-love. And you're like, holy shit, I'm actually sweating. Not heavily sweating, but I'm actually sweating my over here going three sets. Whereas everyone else on the sets is like, yeah, I'll take that plus 125 and cash it. Not particularly fond of either number personally, uh, but it's certainly something to think about. Yeah, I'm going to play the over 20, uh, 23, I think, is my play in that one. All right. Felix versus Giron. FAA is a minus 175 money line favorite. Giron is plus 145 as the dog. The spread is two and a half. Total is 23. FAA's first back-to-back win since Indian Wells. Jesus. <laughs> quite the statistic. Giron off a huge win against Casper Rude that I'm quite annoyed I, I wasn't on. Uh, I did have the over in the Watanuki Rude match, uh, which failed because Watanuki was broken twice in the second set uh, after a tiebreak first set. So thanks for that, Watanuki. Appreciate that one. Uh, that might, might have affected my faith in Giron uh, to do something against Rude here. You have to be looking at Giron. This is a winnable match for Mar- for Marcos Giron. Uh, I mean, FAA, he looked pretty good uh, against Offner, but he was broken twice, broken in each set against Offner, despite the lopsided scoreline. Offner really just cooked himself, was super aggressive, and uh, I mean, did himself no favors. FAA looked, I'll tell you what, FAA looked spry. Offner, I think, Thought he ended a few points, and FAA was able to track some balls down and and get some winners out of nowhere. So I, I think that FAA is certainly playing with a little more confidence, uh, landing a few more balls uh, than, than previous weeks, but certainly still vulnerable. John, what do you think? Yep, I, I'm not I'm not sold on him um, at all. Giron also likes medium fast to, me, to to quicker conditions, so let's not pretend like you know there's there's some sort of surface speed edge for Felix either. 
And the consistency clearly favors the American, who is coming off a really nice win against Casper Rude, where somehow Battle Online had him up to plus 216, which was just a little too much for me. I'm still not sold on Casper Rude. Look, he's plus 145 at Pinnacle. I mean, market average is down in the plus 120s, which makes a little more sense. And I probably pass in those numbers. If you have access to Penny, and I know not a lot of like some of the biggest, most populated countries actually don't, which is really annoying, including Americans. But if you have access to Penny, like that plus 145 is worth it. Some people give you that, well, Pinnacle's a sharp book. So if they're off market, it means the sharps have made it that way. Listen, if you're going to play that game, just bet casually. If you don't trust yourself um, to go up against other sharps, then, then, you know, don't play. I guess, or just play casually. I have no problem taking a position against potential other sharps who who probably are more data oriented than qualitative, qualitatively driven. And I, I think that number is wrong. So yeah, I'm with you on Giron. FAA is actually three and zero against Giron. Uh, Giron's only won oh. one set in these head to head. Who beat him at the? Oh, is Mackie McDonald beat him at the U.S. Open? I always confuse those two. Uh, they played a Hala twice randomly, and Rome on clay, which Giron is even worse than FAA on clay. Last year at Hala on grass, they went to three sets uh, with Giron winning the second set, losing 3-6 in the third set. But yeah, man, FAA, are you wanting to lay juice with a guy? I mean, Giron has four wins here. Uh, competition, not the the best. I think uh, beating Nishioka is certainly a... Uh, beating Nishioka and Rude, certainly uh, two guys who are going to make him play a few more balls than FAA is going to. And I think, I think the other point is, wasn't he a dog in both of those? Yeah. Which also speaks to from, from a more betting side of things, there's a market undervaluation on him then. I mean, I know it's only a two match sample, but the fact is he likes quick courts. He's got a decent serve that plays up. He can, he can flatten his balls uh, out. He can take the ball early. So he has a little bit of attack to his game as well. And he's got the consistency edge and you're getting, you know, several, matches in a row where the market is undervalued him. I didn't bet him against Ishioka. I did bet him against Rude. It's clear to me that the market doesn't like him here. And I think that's probably wrong. So, you know, from a momentum perspective, from having wins against decent players all the way to, you know, the market clearly hasn't caught up yet. You've got a reason to bet him several. All right, John, do you have a Shelton Paul number? Yeah, Pinnacle has released um, right now. They came out at plus 124 to Shelton. It's been bet down to plus 118. So early action coming in on, I was going to say the American, but they're both Americans coming on the younger of the two Americans in that one. Look, I talked, I, I like Ben Shelton. I talked him up earlier. I don't know if he should be a favorite against Tommy Paul. I think this is probably about right. If there's heavy movement either way, I'd probably get involved on, you know, if Paul drifts out to pick him or, or plus money, probably take him. If Shelton drifts back out to, you know, your, your plus 130-ish, I'd probably take him there. Paul's looked pretty good uh, since stealing our money against Offner. Lost to Rublev uh, in a tight two-set match, and Rublev obviously made the final and um, lost in the third set there. So uh, certainly Rublev was playing pretty well that week. Man, I, I kind of lean. If I can get plus money with Tommy Paul in this matchup, I definitely would take that Right. All right, John, we've said enough on Tokyo for now. Let's go to Stockholm. Sweden, the ATP Stockholm event, is a long-standing indoor hardcore event that dates back in some form to 1969. Noise. Uh, it was briefly a 1,000 event between 1990 and 1994, but has been a 250 since 1995. Recent winners include Holger Runa, who beat Tsitsipas on his 
hot end of 2022 run. Uh, he's back to defend his title. Tommy Paul won in 2021. This is where Denis Shapovalov won his only title in 2019. Uh, Sitsipas also won this in 2018. He is not in the draw. Del Potro won it two times before that. Uh, conditions here, John? This is closer to medium slower. Uh, higher bouncing, not as not as quick as like Antwerp or or even Tokyo, I would say. And I think you're seeing far fewer tie breaks as a result. I know we've got a limited sample through a round and a half, but you know, you're seeing you're also seeing guys like Pavel Kotov find a lot of break opportunities. You're you saw Stan Vavrinka, who in quick conditions I don't think is breaking Bornagoyo three or four times. They they don't appear as fast as Antwerp. Um, I think they have a higher bounce as well, which is gonna help guys who again play with a little more spin or more used to playing on slower surfaces. That's going to help. So there's multiple facets or, or multiple things that are helping uh, guys who prefer slow courts. I wouldn't say they're they're slow, though. I wouldn't say like Indian Wells, uh, but they're certainly not uh, as quick uh, as the other events this week. Jera just went in straight sets as a dog versus JJ Wolf. So there's another guy who likes slower conditions. Uh, although Sifulian ran rough shot over Vilch. So Greek Spore back on the scene. Takes out Rusevori this morning, who... I believe it was his first time playing in a long, long time for uh, Rusevori, this event. Yeah, he hasn't. Looks like these are... Well, he played Davis Cup. He hasn't played a tour event uh, since before the U.S. Open. Big headlines so far. French boys champ Dino Prismich makes his presence known with a solid dog win versus Uriel Heshka. Elias Emer got a win versus RBA, but sadly not as big a dog as one would like as RBA is having a terrible year. Uh, Wolf just lost, but he beat Baez, who has returned to Earth after his miracle hardcourt run in Winston-Salem in the early part of U.S. Open. Uh, much like Chris Eubanks, uh, who fell to Kotov, uh, Eubanks certainly not quite playing up to the Wimbledon run standards uh, going through it a bit. All right, John, let's talk about this draw real quick. We've got Holger Runa taking on Kashmanovich right after we, we finish recording. Runa, if he's healthy, he should win that match easy, but he's a little bit unpredictable uh, at the moment. Um, uh, Manorino here, this is the two seed. Slower conditions here for Manorino, who typically likes them uh, a, a little faster. He's got a tough second round matchup, matchup versus the big serving Sophilian Greekspor. We, we've backed him a couple times on the outright market. I would say he's someone to keep an eye on here, but Man, this is a pretty wide open event. Yeah, I mean, look, Talon, nice win. I think he was down to Rusuvori in that opening set before he came back and won. So good on him for that. Uh, that was one of your tight matches, I suppose. That and these guys can both serve and hit too, even through the 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 relatively slower conditions compared to other places. Look, Holger Runa is defending a title here from last year, and he just hasn't looked maybe slower fatigue, but it's not like he's looked hurt to me in his last few. Um, the last few times I've watched him, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't necessarily think it's an injury at this point, but he's, he's tough to rely on. Now, in terms of individual match play, this won't be out in time, but before his first match against Mio Kichmanovic, he was at one point like minus 130, which is ridiculous on a hard court, regardless of the fact whether it's quick or slow, because they both prefer slower conditions anyway. Now, that, that aside, it is going to be, I don't, don't want to say it's going to be tough for him, I think it's tough for him in general right now because of how much he's struggling, but look at his draw. It's it's not really that imposing in this top half. I mean, I I, I really want to get behind Holger to win 
this again, but I mean, not betting wise, the price is too short, but he's easily the most talented player in this field. I mean, in terms of raw talent, he he, he tops the field by a decent margin. It's yes. just a matter of, is he fatigued? Right. Like that, that's all it comes down to. If he's able to play his best tennis, I, I can't see anyone stopping him for, for uh back-to-back titles here in Stockholm. I wonder if the crowd will get behind him too, because I know they were behind Rusuvori, kind of part of that uh, regional air, like Denmark, Sweden, Finland, those smaller countries. I don't think Denmark's Scandinavian, but clo- it's close to them, I believe, in, in like regional proximity. So I wonder if he'll have crowd support too, which he would enjoy, I'm sure. For me, I don't have anything I really liked outright-wise. A lot of question marks around some of the best players. And... I mean, Manorino, for me, it's the bounce more than anything. The ball doesn't stay too low, which is where I think he'd prefer it on top of the courts, not being all that fast. So just pass for me on the on the overall kind of outright or futures markets. Well, what about uh, this is the type of year when a guy like Misolich can kind of pop up? Big serve, slower conditions. Now he's going to have a tough match uh, next round, but he picks up a, a straight set win against Dan Evans. Jera, I think, is a guy here who could stand pretty tall as well. I think it's just like a pretty solid pro player. Um, conditions probably suit him pretty well. It'll be interesting interesting to see who he takes off. You know, Thomas Mahach, he was ripping through the indoor challenger scene uh, before this event. Uh, he might be a, a name to consider as well. He had won, oh my God, he won a bunch of matches in a row. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen matches in a row uh, before falling to Prismich in the qualification of, of this event. Um, so certainly a guy who's in form and someone to consider. Does he play? When does he play? Oh, he plays Barinka Neck. Oh, all right, let's just use that as the pivot over to uh, the match play talk here. It's at pick. Wow. Barinka, Stan Warinka and Thomas Mahaj are at pick. In the match play, 23 is the total here. Man, that stinks. <laughs> I don't know that I want to play even money. Warinka, uh, certainly someone who I tend to fade, and he tends to make me pay. Dang, 23 is the total. John, what are you thinking about this one? You want to talk about fading Wawrinka and paying for it. Boy, I made a mistake that I think I believe thousands of bets, not thousands of matches, because you know me, I like to stack a few things within a match when it's mispriced enough, take advantage of some higher odds, but... Thousands of bets now in in like since 2016. I don't think I've ever handicapped a match at one tournament that was being played at another venue. I did that. And I even wrote it up. And I wrote it up. I had European Cup in the titles and the headlines. I had it. I had Antwerp in the in the body of the article. I thought Stan Fabrica was in freaking Antwerp. It, I thought Bordogoyo would be in Antwerp. No, no, no. Boy, did I write that one up. Uh, on a fast court and got and I paid for it. I paid for it in a big way. Mind you, I still almost got my tiebreak prop across the line if Bornegoyo knew how to convert break points. But I now know we're in Stockholm. I think Stan has more time to kind of really load up and, and get points started on return. It's going to help him a little bit. I still like Mahach, honestly, just because, yes, I also like to fade Vavrinka. And Mahach has a big game that should net him a lot of holds just because even with the courts a little slower and the bounce a little higher... Stan is still 38, and he's still not the best returner. He's routed into form a bit during the summer, but it's more eye test than results, and it's all about the power and serve that's really rounded into form. His return game has not been all that impressive. He hasn't been superb or or even above average, I would say. He's he's pretty average on return. It's the serve and, and power from the baseline that's really come back to his game 
that will play here. The only concern I'd have with betting Mahach as a side is the volatility. He's going to have the movement. He's going to have the youth. He should have the stamina. But with slower court, Stan's return game becomes a little less vulnerable. And Mahach is far more volatile when it comes to to unforced errors uh, in in spells of a match. And for me, that's the big red flag to stay away. What about um, there's been double-digit amount of matches? 14 matches, only two have gone to three sets. Hmm. So under sets, under two and a half sets uh, might be a look uh, at this event. And the books are kind of onto it because they are it's 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 juiced here on Bet Online. The under two and a half is at minus one sixty uh, in this Kashmanovich Runa match. It's minus one seventy in Prismich Emer. Wow, so a little juicy. But twelve of fourteen have hit the under, eating some juice, but profiting so far. So something to keep in mind. Let's talk about this Prismich Elias Emer matchup next. Prismich is minus two hundred. Minus two hundred three is the money line favorite. Emer is plus one seventy three as the dog. The, the game spread is three. Totals at twenty two here. And man, you know Prismich, big game. Like him a lot. This is a huge opportunity for Elias Emer to get deep into a, a tournament at home here. And I mean, is Prismich really at minus two hundred versus him? I mean, Emer's not a very good player, but. He is a long-standing professional tennis player. Well, you know, Prismich is still newish on tour uh, to be a $2 favorite here uh, on a hardcore, especially against a guy at home who's played this event before. Why? Well, I don't bet Eli Elia Seamer matches, and I don't really feel like the price here is far off and far off enough, far off enough for me to get involved this time. So I mean the thing with Emer is can he play some great tennis? Can he pull off an upset? Sure. Does he do it often enough? No. Uh is he incredibly stubborn mentally does he pack it in too early yes is he volatile of course like he commits unforced errors but he's got the ability to play off both wings he moves decently i mean he's just an enigmatic player who can play really really well or really really poorly i don't think he's as kind of mentally erratic as someone like bublik but certainly someone uh, i try and avoid unless i'm getting like a plus two or three hundred out there then i don't really feel the need or the or, or, or feel all that inclined to get involved if you're like i said if you're going to give me 20 to 30 percent chance for him to win against uh, a young gun with his own ta- with his talent uh, on, on home soil, where he's probably a bit more motivated than normal, which is a, kind of a big part of his issues. Uh, typically like chat one, the, the level he's playing at, which is challengers uh, most of the time now. And two, you know, not really giving two hoots about what happens. So now that he's back on home soil at the ATP tour level, you kind of think that that has to be, those concerns have to be alleviated uh, at least a bit. So I wouldn't bet Prismich here, although if he's going to win, he's going to cover. Uh, I wouldn't bet Emer here, but if I would, I would just take the money line, like I, like I said, because I don't think he's going to keep it close and lose uh, all of that often with with the way he he goes about things. And Prismich, pretty good hardcore data, uh, one in three uh, on tour level, um, but 30% break percentage, 90% hole percentage. Uh, the challenger level is seven and six. What the seventy-two percent hold and a thirty-three percent break percentage. Whew. Emer is uh and I really would love to back Emer here and buck the the hive, but I'm a little surprised at those numbers, um, to be honest. I can't back him at minus two hundred though or lay the games. I do think we see a motivated Emer here. Emer with um a twenty-one percent break percentage, four and eight in his last fifty-two on a hard court, seventy-eight percent hold percentage, 
I mean, small sample size per prismage, but pretty telling numbers. I'm going to pass on that one, man. Oh, Manorino is a dog. At plus 124, Adrian Manorino, Moneyline Dog, plus 124 versus Roman Tefillion, minus 144 on the money line. I guess rightfully so. Stefillion has trended up on indoor hardcore. I know Rotterdam, I believe Rotterdam was when he kind of had a, a run a couple of years ago. Um, and we've certainly seen him play well across a couple of different surfaces. I uh, had some success on clay this season, had some success on grass, certainly a, a hardcore player. Manorino already rattled off an indoor title um, last month. So he's in form. These guys have played once before, Manorino, uh, won at, at a mass uh, ATP Moscow uh, indoor event in 2021 in three sets. He got crushed, though, in the first set, 6-1. Uh, so a lot of volatility in, in this matchup. Sefulian, Manorino, pick a side, John. <laughs> um I probably I probably go Roman Safiulin to be honest. Uh not at this number. I like I think the numbers are actually right. I mean, Manorino's played well this year, but I don't trust him. I mean, I didn't he do well in Astana too, which kind of has those those medium, slow, higher bouncing courts, but that was at a bit of altitude. I I think Roman Safiulin, who also like th- these guys both prefer quick conditions. I just think Safiulin has the ability, if a ball is sitting up and the conditions are slower, he has the natural power to hit through those slower conditions. And he he's okay with a higher bounce, I think, a little bit more than Manorino. So I, I don't mind the number being where it is. I, I wouldn't bet it though. I'd probably just leave it as is. Uh if you like the Safiulin side, given the you know, all these matches falling under, you, you might you might want to just lay the the games. All right, let's quickly do Antwerp here. Sorry, Antwerp, we're giving you some squeeze time. The European Open, another indoor hardcore event in Belgium. Recent champs include FAA last year. Uh, certainly a different time in that guy's career. Yannick Sinner, Hugo Humbert, Andy Murray, Kyle Edmund, and uh, Richard Gasquet. It's only been around since 2016. Uh, big headlines so far. What about my guy, JPV? We're running out of time, but quickly mention this guy is freaking awesome. Juan Pablo Vareas. We mentioned Dimitrov being a huge ROI player this year. This guy's got to be top 10 as well. I, I mean, he is never a favorite and he has a ton of wins this year. I mean, what do we get him against? Uh, he's like almost four to one against Kashmanovich at the US Open. He was yeah. a pretty huge dog in the round one against uh, Marishan. God, what a freaking yeah, this, stud. This is my event this week that I'm covering. So um, I will say Shevchenko owned him in the first set, but being typical Alex Shevchenko, and this is why I don't think he's going to progress for at least another six to eight months uh, up those rankings any more, more than he already has. He does not have the mind for for it right now. He gets too frustrated, and he, he took his foot off the gas. He started looping in ground strokes. The whole way to beat Varias in these conditions – Keep him on his back foot. He doesn't like quick conditions. He likes having more time to react. He's got a good serve in forehand. I mean, his first serve has been okay in these in, on, in his faster court matches on the whole. His forehand, he can hit. But when it's coming, when the pace is coming at him, that's where he struggles because he's not used to it. Uh, Shevchenko took his foot off the gas, and then he, he tanked out the third set, let's be honest. He just didn't hold at all um, and was barely moving for balls. So grain of salt there, but yes, good on um, But Yes, I had Shevchenko at about minus 160. Looked good early. Uh, the reason why I didn't lay the games is because I can't stand laying games with him because he has such a, a an erratic brain and, and very low tennis IQ. Um, 
And the reason I only want one unit is because same thing. He's able to lose a match he's in total control of because he just he gets too frustrated. It affects him. He's not good enough. But something quickly about Antwerp, that was just the fourth match of the tournament that did not have at least one tiebreak. The other matches featured Richard Gasquet, who's aging, spin heavy, and lacks power now. Um, Mark Lyle versus Kwame Munar. Again, Munar, clay quarter, not that great. And the other one, I'm trying to find it real fast here. I think that might be the third one uh, that hasn't featured a tiebreak. Point is, we're seeing tiebreak, or Goffin Halis, pardon me. And that one had um, Halis completely fall apart from three love up in the first set. He won one more game the rest of the way. Those are the only ones. A guy that fell apart, uh, Munar, another match featuring Varillas, and then a match featuring Gasquet. Everything else has had at least one tiebreak, including the 14th match, which is going on right now. Uh, in Mark Lyle and Alcio Fields. They're playing two tie breaks. The over one and a half tie breaks in that, by the way, closed at plus 1,400. I got the plus uh, 150 for any time tie break, but uh, certainly fast conditions. Like I, watching, I'm watching, you, you watch the first serve percentages. You look at the, the tie break totals. If you watch the matches, I mean, there is no way this is not one of the quicker uh, events on tour. Good nugget there, John. What do you think about? Uh, I'm a little surprised at the number, um, I guess. But Nuno Borges is plus 115 as a dog versus Max Martyr. Martyr has had it rolling a bit, qualified into this thing. So he's got three wins in a row, and he's won. Wait, no, yeah, so he's 10 and three in his last uh, head since he's 10 and three since August 24th. Yeah, for me, um, Look, this is the complete opposite of what Borges had today. He had Kepfer coming off his first match back from that U.S. Open retirement against, was it Alcaraz? Uh, when he landed on his ankle and just, he kept playing and he, he got booed by the crowd for retiring because they wanted to see more tennis. It was like this guy in the th- five point six points into the match rolled his ankle and played the rest of the set out and they still booed him. Terrible, terrible people at that match. But he's coming back. He doesn't have the most power. Uh, he played well in Atlanta. His game does play up a bit. But Borges was in control of the baseline there, okay? Borges had a lot of time to set up. His first serve was far more effective. He was he was actually the, the player playing with more power, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, and Kepfer just didn't have the pop to hit through him because he's also a good defensive player. So if you're underpowered against Borges, he will run everything down and get it back. That fl- the, the, script is, the script is flipped in this match. Martyr has far more power, has a far bigger serve, a far bigger forehand. And on these courts, especially, he absolutely possesses the power to put his plus one balls through the open court um, and into uh, for winners and, and just find cheap points. And I, again, when Borges, his struggles on quick courts the last few months have primarily been because he does hold serve enough, but he's always the more likely one to get broken. He ends up getting broken and he just can't find a way back in against bigger servers. That's the handicap here. For me, if you've got Martyr in that, like, minus 135-ish to or anything better, I, I would be on Martyr here. All right, let's round to the finish with Hoffman versus team. Um, it's basically a pick. These guys played once before on Clay and Kitzbühel with Hoffman winning in a third set. Hoffman obviously prefers uh, Clay. Um, not a very good hard quarter. Um I think he's what won like five matches or six this year on a hard court. Now, Tommy team has a problem winning a bunch of winning matches in a row. 
So there's also that. Um, but man, I I kind of want to take a shot on Dami Team here. Um, he kind of he was down against Nardi, and I feel like he played his way into a little bit of form in that one. Had it rolling in the third set. I kind of like the momentum of that third set versus Hoffman, who I mean had a a two set win against Blockix, who was the Aussie uh, boys finalist this year. Um, and Hoffman just not a great returner. Uh, as much as oh, here's the thing about Dami Team too that I like about this matchup is he is a point to point warrior, and that could really sink Hoffman, who is not a point to point guy. Yeah, and you know what? I never say this in pick matches because if I believe it's going to be super tight and it's going to go over, why would you pick a side? But I'm actually on board with you here. Every there's There are exceptions to every rule, and I just – Dummy team for me is more athletic, has a much better backhand, is the better uh, quick court player, has more hard court experience, but at the same time, breaking on a comp is a tough, tough task. This to me has a, a relatively close match written all over it, but in the big moments – in terms of the overall better game for these conditions, that is Dominic team. So for me, he should be a favorite, even though I think it's going to be a very close match. I almost never say that because again, if it's, if it's fast conditions or if the conditions are fast and you've got a big server and it's going to be a close match, you generally want to sign with the dog, but with no dog here and kind of all the little intangibles going towards Dami, I'll be on the tie break. I'll be on the, um, if it's a good enough price, I'll be on the over if the price is right. And I'll, we'll be on Dami team as well. Look, Luke and Artie pulled a Ben Bonzi and Nuno Borges almost did this today. Shevchenko did it as well. There have been a couple guys who have been winning like 75 to 80% of their service points have been in cruise control. But that second set, we get midway through that second set and the legs kind of, they give out a bit. Uh, and I think that's happened a lot. Dami team is not that guy. Give him credit. He has worked his way back into shape physically in the last few months because we were seeing him fade in second sets a lot. Uh, earlier in the season or, or midway through the season, he's been able to to, to sustain his level. Uh, and I wonder if, if Hompen can do the same, if team can somehow make it more physical. As for the block X match, look, Alex was broken once. That was the only time in three matches he'd been broken. Hompen is not going to be, in all likelihood, breaking Dominic team uh, unless team breaks himself. So you've got that going for you too. It's not like you're you're likely, if you if you lose at 6-7, six, 6-7, seven, six, seven, fine. You knew it was going to be close. But the more likely player to break is Dami. And if you find a break with him, you've almost got the set under wraps. There's a lot to like about the team side here. All right. Sorry, Antwerp. We aren't discussing you more. We have to go. But uh, hopefully maybe we'll get back uh, later this week and we'll give you some love right out of the gate. Uh, follow John at Tweets Tennis at Tidbits Tennis. Follow us at MP9 Tennis. Do like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, Until next time, see you on the court.